0: Hello, hello, (laughs) hello, hello. I I
1: put my headphones on to that, and it was (laughs) hello. (laughs) I think Uh, I think that's how we should do the. Oh hello, Uh, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Today's podcast
0: will be very different. Yes, I.
1: Ooh, music in the 1680s.
2: Mmm,
0: David Bowie. He's been I around.
2: don't know if Bowie's here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> are you? are you like
1: the uh, uh, indentured servant? The, the
0: I don't know,
2: sir. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's going to make it to the end of the month, <laughs> yes, sir.
1: I I've never heard you do voices. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man.
2: (laughs) I don't know.
1: Sounds like Dobby the House Elf, which is a reference that's completely lost on you.
2: Fuck you. Out of my head. You have a sock in your ass, crack. (laughs) I got my wiener. Welcome to Dirt Pod episode 18. Uh, We got the original crew back after Marcus' absence on the last episode. Let me explain myself.
1: To explain no, yourself I, so people understand w- what happens i live backwards what so like i'm i'm up at night and then i go to sleep in the morning and oh. i get up in the afternoon and a lot of people don't know this about me uh if people follow me on twitter or facebook that's why everything i do shows up at 4 a.m because that's my my evening oh. and so so i get up at like four or five o'clock typically in a day and so sometimes for the dirt pot, Or in the
0: evening, in the evening, in the afternoon, right? Going that's to my evening, morning. That's your morning. Okay.
1: And so what'll happen is that I will have to set an alarm to come do dirt pot. So it's like waking up to do like six a.m. radio, like, or a, like a morning show. Yeah. So yeah. so that is what this is sometimes. And last week or two weeks ago, I had set an alarm. I was ready to go, and I I kind of woke up thinking, okay, what time is it? And it was two minutes tell you guys, and I was like, I was, Phil, I hadn't, you know, I needed the three S's before I could leave the house, and it was going to take time. I didn't want to throw everybody off, so thank goodness I appreciate Aaron Orlovitz uh, coming in here. And Now, he's recently shorn, isn't he? Yeah, he cut his hair off. I haven't seen him yet. He, for those people, Aaron is a, is a great local comic uh, coming up. And he's had this
2: huge mane of, like, Big wavy, man. thick,
1: long hair. And now yeah. it's
0: it's all butchered off?
2: Yeah, it's short. Mm. But nicely. Can you guys hear my voice? I can't hear me in my you're, you're headphones. A, you're a little quiet. I don't know which one of these. I can turn, hear you. turn yeah. yourself
0: yeah. up a tiny bit.
2: I don't know which one I am. Yo, probably one.
0: Yo, I need more guy in my mic. Probably the hey, furthest hey, one hey, to hey, the left. Yo, hey, give ready.
2: me more side down in my headphones. Ready, ready, ready. Am I getting louder? Am I getting louder? I don't know.
0: I would think your mic one.
2: Hey. I'm over here on Dig 4. This isn't a dig. Okay, there we go.
0: Hey, there you are. Hey! Hey, (laughs) Hey, thanks.
1: What were you
2: you pushing? Uh, I don't know. There's three (laughs) over here that we're on. Somewhere there's some high
0: frequency.
1: Some dog is listening to this like, Oh,
2: fuck! What? What did he turn up? (laughs) (laughs) I I take it after
0: after doing radio for, you know, going on 25 years of my life, I, I... Assume that the, that knowing what well, the, the micro mic One would mean mic One right, but,
2: but I didn't look at the labels. If I, I know, looked over I'm, and I'm saw sorry. mic One, because so you just started pushing things, yeah. So like somewhere oh, that's there's, a good a sh- there, there's like an Ed Sheeran song blaring. <laughs>
1: <that> you have launched <laughs> on some station. <laughs> you, I don't know. you hit the button that unedits all the songs.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. And
0: you and could still be louder. I don't know why why it's so quiet. Well, is your can you am
2: I loud? What about now? Can you hear me? Yeah.
0: I can hear you. Yeah, you're. All right. You're more like the level of Marcus.
2: Now. Sasha's okay. going to be editing this and hate us. Yeah, there you go.
0: Beautiful. Should we start over? <laughs> no, we, pod episode eighteen. So, so right. I want to go back to your. You, you literally do everything at night. Yeah, that's how I do like it. Like you go to the grocery store at night. Yeah, I've
1: been. doing it for about two years. To, we go. I'll go to Walmart like three, three or four a.m. and get
2: all my stuff done. Now. This, however, I see. I see how if if I could do that, I, I still wouldn't. But I can see why 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 you want to. However, yeah, is, there, is there a reason? I'm like, do you work to... I'm like, Mark, wake up! We hey, this person was this, and I'm buzzing him a thousand times.
1: <laughs> and I'll roll over. I'll see my phone. i be like, oh yeah, he. What's going on? But no, there, there. Yeah, I, it, it's more just. I don't know. So by choice, you do by this. choice. Yeah. Okay. Well, so... it was a lot of stuff that I that we that I do mm-hmm. is at night. Um, my shows are at night. I like to do sure. ghost hunts at night. And so okay. I'd be that up at sense. night and I'm a night owl anyway. And I'd find that I'd be up until two or three. And then you like, I felt if I was going to be up late, if I'm up till like four, then I sleep till noon and I feel like, well, yeah, I'm a lazy well. piece of garbage. I slept till noon. But see, to me, like, I like, if I go to bed at eight and I get up at four, it makes me more productive because I can't, if I get up at 9am, I'm like, oh, I'll just, I'll sit. And then I can go to the bank in eight hours or seven hours or whatever. But I'm like, I gotta get up. I gotta get to the bank. We gotta get to the store. Store, you know, closes at nine. We gotta get that done. We get so you kind of get up and get all of your stuff done. Gotcha. and Productive, and then two a.m. You can chill and watch Netflix and you know hang out. And, and you're not fall tired until seven or eight o'clock in the morning. I'd still be tired at
0: night. I think.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, it takes some getting used to, and in the winter it's tough because you never see daylight. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You get up and it's dark again, and so it's it's a little weird not seeing daylight for a couple months. So today was weird because I got up, I had to go to Park City um, b- before this. So I was up at like noon, and I haven't really been out in noon o'clock sun in a long time. <laughs> did it freak you out? Yeah, I don't have, I didn't have sunglasses. I was like, this is...
0: <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. All right, well, I, did, I didn't mean to take all, the whole podcast for that, no. but I, I just find no, that sorry. interesting. I'm
2: over here cutting a guitar pick out of a credit card. <laughs> So we,
1: have, we had this talk literally uh, a couple five days, days, ago. days ago,
2: maybe, four and days any ago. Any guitarist listening to this can relate. You can't keep picks. I've bought, What's in the, my lifetime, a thousand guitar picks sure. at least. What's the weirdest thing you've ever used for a pick that you can think of um, without, without
0: carving one out of a credit card? That's a pretty tonal. good story. Yeah,
2: I did use an Ogre's toenail once. Paperclip? Um, I've used a paperclip. I've never used a paperclip. Uh, bread ties? Bread ties. They Obviously s- pennies and nickels and dimes. I can't use those. Really, They're too thick. Um, but he, he's not used to girth. No, no, I like them thin <laughs> and, and light. Well, when I heard Brian May
0: used a, a a a pence or whatever it was, that's what he still uses. That's really? how he gets his sound. Is he uses a coin? Huh. Weird. He's wow. <laughs> Any home,
2: he and he homemade His
1: guitar's he, homemade. He likes it thick. He's Isn't been he playing some, some sort of genius though. Didn't yeah, he write a, some he's book a doctor.
2: on? A doctor of astrophysics. Astrophysics. Fimo is astrophysics. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's got got a PhD. He's a doctor.
1: Oh, oh, and I'm also like I don't even know how when you are both of those things. Which one is the oh? And I'm also yeah. Like if you, I'm an astrophysicist, but I'm also in Queen or is Queen University? Yeah, Yeah. I was in that. Yeah. Oh, here's my also my book on the universe. So I guess fuck you. Well, to everyone else, <laughs>
2: right? yeah, kind of. He was a millionaire by 30. His band shit the bed by 40. He had all the time in the world to go get his doctorate. Well, so he went to school. Oh, after I guess that. that's N- true. not that it's not impressive, but he had the money and the time and the you know, what do you do when you're 40 and retired with millions of dollars in the bank?
1: But I think it also speaks to the fact, well but there's a lot of dumb fucking musicians out there who have been 40 and millionaires and fucked it all up. Yeah. And Brian May, I think it speaks to his credit and I think it speaks to Queen's credit as being such a creative band because they're smart dudes making good music. They were smart
0: dudes first. Yeah, they always were. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, it's, they not, always it's not that it's not impressive, but yeah he, had, yeah, he had a little bit of an advantage.
0: Yeah, and I don't think he invented multi-tracking per se, but perfected it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His uh, with guitar the guitars soul, yeah. and 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 uh, obviously and all, I, the and all the vocals in all the songs just say are his
2: guitar. The guitar he plays, it's not a Gibson or a Fender. Homemade. No, he makes his own guitar too. And there's two of them. He has he has two of those guitars. Wow. That's the only guitars he's ever played in 40 years. And weird. I think I think one is like new. Like he made another one. But the every Queen song you ever heard was done on that homemade weird guitar. Man, when you hear stuff
1: about people like that, like about how, it's like. Smart people are behind the scenes. Like I watch this thing. I, mean, I don't mean to kind of veer into another direction, but I watched this thing. Did you ever see the biography on Jeff Dunham? No. Now a lot of a lot of comics give him shit because he's a puppet guy. Sure. And, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. And the they sh- there's this whole biography or documentary about him, and he was a ventriloquist that was good by the time he was like thirteen. And mm. when he was a teenage kid, he was already doing gigs. And I remember Sam saying something. And I, I apologize; don't quote me on the exact numbers. But by the time he was like eighteen, he was already making a hundred thousand dollars in corporate gigs in the Texas area, or where wow. I think it was where he's from. Yeah. So <laughs> he had that money, and then he was like, "Oh well, i guess I'll go to L.A. and you know figure stuff out." And I, yeah. I think I remember they said like you went to L.A. and kind of had to start over. But his success, like, he's always been a really smart guy. And because he had this money, he um, very young started buying helicopters. What? And he would buy them, like, the the kits. And he would build, he said he built this first helicopter, and he took it up, and he flew it, and then he would... The And, and then, now, it's a thing. He will buy, and it showed his garage. It's fascinating. Like, this dude literally fascinates me. Has this giant workshop garage, and he'll have all of these pieces laid out and he just builds helicopters and then he flies them and then he gets another kit and he's in the same thing building his puppets hey. like he's sculpting his puppet and painting it and he's in there like in his workshop and he's doing the mechanics and he understands all
2: like so he like made that little pepper guy? He made all of them Yeah, <laughs> like he is He. I is, knew he made his puppets so I didn't know do he- helicopter pilots like what is that an A-17? No it's a Dunham it's a damn...
1: <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is while he's flying it, the front of it's like, "Hey, look,
2: <laughs> look, <in the> hands. <laughs> no hands, but... no no wings." It, you put your hand, <laughs> no in <this> wings. <laughs> but
1: I, I, it, watching that really impressed me as to how how much more goes into it other than. You know, hey, look over there! What? What? Come on, Peanut! You know, and talking to a doll—it's there is a huge intellect behind that, and and I guess sorry, I was tying that into how Brian May, who has created some of the most iconic sounds and and revolutionized the way we hear music. But also came from a very brilliant mind. Well, and and so yeah, I think it speaks.
2: Before him was Les Paul, right? Right. Who invented goddamn everything? He invented the electric guitar, for one, to start. He's the one that actually invented multi-tracking, exactly. Um, And then a billion other things that I can't even think of. Eddie Van Halen has also invented a lot of stuff. He invented. I can't remember what it's called, but it's pretty much the standard in guitar making nowadays where like dip, they dip the pickups in a wax or something. And huh. um, that was just him dicking around, thinking, hey, how can I make this thing happen? What if I put candle wax on it or something? And, and then that's now like the standard. Well, you know what happened. What's that? He and Valerie Bertinelli were messing around, doing Knock
0: that Madonna thing over. with the candle. Right. And it fell on his pickup, and he went, hang on a second. Hold on.
1: That worked. <laughs> and then David Lee Roth was like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That sin is wow.
2: And Michael Evans, he went. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bass player just uh, did it. He did a high harmony on everything. A high that, harmony on everything he said. Yeah. Uh, did you have you heard the David Lee Roth isolated vocal YouTube clips? Yes. There's been the, on Running with the Devil. There's a part where he like, "God damn it, baby, I get out to it
0: It's so
1: funny. What's that one line in that song and what song was it? And you were like, "You gotta play it. Everybody wants some." Yeah. And he goes,
2: "What's the song? Sa- looking for a moopie." <laughs> <laughs> but he actually says something. D. And you're like, "What?" It was Moonbeam, Coop, but D. it sounded like he said moop moop tee. Yeah. There's a really funny uh, YouTube video called uh, uh, "Dave's Like These," and it's the singer for Dave's
1: Like These,
2: Smash Mouth, who did this. They found an isolated vocal from the Smash Mouth guy. And uh, the terrible lyrics, just talking about how like today, today's awesome. Look it up if you can. And then they they find uh, David Lee Ross isolated vocals, and the two just battle each other. Let me know when you got it pulled up. It's so goddamn funny. Uh, yeah, Dave's like these because the Smash guy's just awful. All right. You got sunshine. Oh yes. Hanging out with your friends. Yeah yeah. yeah. Setting off for a good time. Just want a million, so you drive the brand new (laughs) Benz. It's days like these you really wanna have now. That's what I'm talking about, and don't you know it's days like these that make you wanna chill, enjoy the ride. (laughs) It's days like these that let you get your groove on. Nothing goes wrong, everything's alright. Now when you deliver like a winner every single time. Have it all if you want it. <laughs> God
1: damn it, baby. No, I ain't lying like to you.
2: Make the holiday last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ain't no how reason to that? stop it. Just want a trip around the world. It's all first class. <laughs> it's days like these. Oh my God. I don't know what's funnier the terrible lyrics from the Smash Mouth guy or David Lee Roth. I don't know how he does that banshee voice. I I he like- literally
0: gets three notes. At the same time, on yeah. that, when some of those screams, you're like, he's yeah. harmonizing with himself on a scream. <laughs> now, here's the thing that amazes me. Listen,
1: fuck Smash Mouth. That guy <laughs> sounded like he was singing at a Joe's Crab Shack. Oh. Yeah, like it's it's this. It, there's no talent in what he was doing. That's not talent. There's no there, I. That's not singing as a singer. That's not singing. That's that's I can, anybody can't do that. Say words in a mic. All you have to do is talk long. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> that was everyone- Fuck you, smash mouth. <laughs> You're the only. <laughs> right now
2: you're mad at Smash Mouth? i fuck was mad at it 20 was, years ago. But that's
1: the thing is like, I look, when you hear it and you realize how much work goes into making them still sound fucking terrible, <laughs> like, you gotta figure, like, when a, when a done Smash Mouth song is finished, it still sucks tits. Like, it starts there. How the fuck did anybody start there and go, you know what? I think we can build off this. So, <laughs> somebody once told me that Shrek's that a fucking song. movie.
2: Uh, uh, that song, that song, the, uh, the, the t- one you were just singing, what the fuck's it called? All Star. All Star. A million years ago, uh, my band got hired to do some, I don't know what it was, party, wedding or something. And they asked us to learn that song. Yeah. And I, even then it, when it was new, cause it had only been out a few months or whatever, you refused. It, Did hated. you refuse? Oh, oh no, completely. But I, but we had it in our bag, so like the band would start playing it at bars and stuff, and I would literally hide it behind the speaker. <laughs> you go, like
1: you no. go maynard into the corner. Yeah,
2: I didn't. I didn't <laughs> want to do. I didn't want to do a goddamn Smash Mouth song and be known for that. So, <laughs> but uh,
1: so but now lot, you play Backstreet Boys with me. Uh, Your life's whole, gotten I've so made much better. I made
2: pretty much a career out of playing shitty songs. <laughs> Next to singers that get all the attention.
1: <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> stupid. No, you,
2: no. You <laughs> know, back in the day, though, that was the truth. You, you sang in a band, right? You were the singer. Yeah. Fuck you guys. <laughs> every every time I'm in a band, it was, well, I I was pretty much in the same band forever. And you'd play guitar, blah 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 blah, and the chicks would flock to the singer. Like, God damn it, he was born with that voice. I worked on this. <laughs> <laughs> He's an angry elf. That's all right. I'll, I'm 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 fine with it now. Uh,
1: listen, oh. <laughs> I I will say that that to me, and I've I've I'll say this publicly. I have no problem saying this. I think like it amazes me how somebody can play an instrument. When I watch somebody drum, even, and I'm just like. You're using all your body parts differently, and when you're like when you're playing guitar and you're going squeedly piddly piddly pew, and like this fingers doing this and these fingers are doing this, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I think it's magic when you pick up that thing and songs come out of it, like a bunch of them. So, to me, to just go like, oh, all I have to do is just make words come out of my mouth. To, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that what I do is is very. ...is very special. I think it's like...
2: Well, it might be more special because I think singing, you can, no. I think you can learn to sing, you can learn pitch, but I think you have to be born with a voice. I don't think anybody can become Freddie Mercury.
1: Well, I think you have to be born with that voice. Yeah.
2: With that voice, yeah. yeah.
0: But, but, but... I think And everybody else has to work on it. Everybody
2: else needs to work. I can take vocal lessons for the next five years of my life and I'm still not going to be a great singer because I, I i i don't know maybe i would but i think you have to be born with that talent a little bit. i think it's still the same though you still have to work you have to yeah, work oh, hard just like you have to get calluses
0: sure. on your fingers so yeah, you, you can play to... for hours every night a singer has to sing i will say that all the time to get their vocal cords and and muscles in shape otherwise you can't do that yeah since
1: we've been playing this show a lot i've noticed that it used to be when i when we first started this idea and i wanted to do it with the tracks and everything i remember i would rehearse it and because it was recorded, like, I, it was very straining on me. There was a lot of, like, high areas and pitch, pl- pitch problems and things. But since we've been playing it together and, like, we've kind of found our happy medium on where you play and where I sing, no matter what range I go into, I found that it's actually gotten stronger because mm-hmm. we've actually been able to work it out more often. So my range has actually gotten bigger, and I've been able to hit, like, harder, higher notes and stuff. It's pretty... It's pretty interesting to watch it work out, but I, th- I think it's, it's true. It's really only because I've had you to be able to like play off of. I honestly, that's really I, what I comes down.
2: understand the the vocal thing only because I and this sounds cheesy, but in the band I would never sing lead unless it was like a parody, like I used to doing a Lemmy impersonation and stuff like that. But uh, which do a is awesome, vocal here and there. But I used to sit, drive a lot, so I'd sing in my car, and I I've always had pitch, like I could sing high, I could get up there, and then the, uh, I was driving to Nevada Wednesday and. I was singing in the car, full, full volume. You know how you do in the car? Yeah. My voice cannot get where it once used to be able to go just because I don't sing ever, which is good. You guys are welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've told you this, and I don't, I don't know if, it, if it's true or not, but I'll stand by my, by my scientific guess, is that not only is my voice stronger, but over the last few years, because I'm very accustomed to quite a few times during the day taking very deep breaths and holding it in hmm.
2: deep for a while green yeah. breaths.
1: Oh, okay i i can like <laughs> and i can hold my breath yeah. and I, I it's made me
0: have marcus is crediting his voice to weed you're a, per, you're a pearl diver of sorts i will say to myself
1: that i i do we get on stage and any singer out there i think it, try doing try doing your own voice for an hour and that's a lot of strain on your voice Try doing everyone's voice for an hour. Try singing from your nose cavity, from your chest, then back to your throat, then up here, then a falsetto voice, then going into another nasal voice, then doing rap yeah. lyrics that are that are short breaths and 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 learning how to breathe for all the different styles and
0: genres. Like it's very taxing, uh, but yeah, it's very true. But I will say this though: if you if you were to stop singing mm-hmm. for six months, maybe yeah, a year, I, yeah, you would have to come back and. You'd still have your pitch. You'd still have your talent, but you'd have to start at ground zero Absolutely. working that b- back. Absolutely. Whereas if you didn't play guitar for a year, you could still pick it up, uh, and I'm the same It'd way. It'd be rusty. It'd be a bit rusty, but you could still play all the songs. You'd, you'd maybe yeah. have to work on a couple of the things that you used to do really well that you'd get yeah. back. Calluses. But I think it's it It comes yeah. back like a lot back faster. like getting back gym. By getting kind of, back, yeah. get on a piano. Yeah. I can still play all the songs that I played when I was a kid, and I go, oh my gosh, how do I still really? remember that? I, I do forget songs, like pretty... Pretty easily. But there, singing, times, I think, is a lot harder yeah, to yeah, get yeah. back to yeah. being
2: good. We won't have a gig sometimes for a month or whatever. And I'm not the guy... I When I was younger, I did, but I'll go home now, and I I don't play my guitar for fun, really. Once in a while, I'll play my electric, shut it up. But I don't diddle on my acoustic that much. So if we'll, we'll go a month, and then we'll do a show, and I'm like, oh, fuck. And my... Like fingers we'll yeah. do we'll do four <laughs> shows at wise guys in a weekend and i have pictures of my fingers oh, literally sure. just not bleeding but uh, dented calloused calloused like peeled like my fingers yeah. i like, dragged them across the road um i'll forget songs like oh yeah that was a c minor not a not a, yeah ah shit but yeah it's all things if, if you're good at something you have to you have to maintain it now did anybody ever invent like that you know that second skin stuff you can put on to, I've, never use used, I've never used to, that
0: over your fingertips. Does anybody use that? Tony Iommi. Well, Tony Iommi well, he, has a finger piece, right? A, yeah, <laughs> a fake he, he finger. To, he's got fake fingertips. I just always wondered what there was you could, you know, and obviously you can't feel it the same, but just that I second think that's skin why stuff. It wouldn't,
2: that's why I would never use it is because I play totally, you have to feel exactly, exactly where yeah. everything's at. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's fake fingers that fuck with me. Maybe like soft strings. Uh, I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's that big of an issue. If you, like if you, silk strings? Yeah. Well, today, so, okay, there's <laughs> kind that. of a, there's kind of a thing like that. What? Today, uh, Marcus and I have been working on this uh, Chris Cornell impression, and the song is very, it's very difficult and kind of hard to remember. Uh-huh. So I've been playing the shit out of it for the last two days, and then today my fingers were kind of killing me, so I grabbed my classical guitar, mm, which nylon has strings. nylon strings, yeah. And yeah. much softer. It doesn't sound quite the same. Uh, but I was playing that just because it has softer strings. So that's the thing. Everybody's right now is going, what are you guys talking about? Well, <laughs>
1: okay. oh, no, I think this is good. I think that, that showing a little insight into why we're here. Like we talk a lot about music and we talk about singers and we talk about how they play. But, but we're
2: all musicians. But we're all
1: musicians in the sense. And, and so, I mean, I, I, I would like to.
2: Alan, I think you should start a
0: band. I don't have time. That's what Honestly, I've had people come to me and say, you want to do a band? And I'm like, I don't have time. Yeah. To, to do it, to do it right, and to do it well, you, it takes every day, also, hours every day.
2: Think about this, because I've been approached the same thing. Hey, want to jam with us?
0: Yeah.
2: At our age, there's a fine line, and I'll tell you who does it right is uh, Tony Oris and his his bands. Mm-hmm. They do parody bands where they dress up in goofy outfits and yeah. they go out and they rock 80s rock, or and they do it well. They do yeah, it they really do. well. They nail it. Yep, and they do southern rock or they do whatever, but. There's a fine line when you're middle aged. If you're in a cover band playing fucking Sandy Station, <laughs> yeah, right. Doing Bob Seger songs, or even worse, if you're middle aged trying to do like hip songs. Yeah, I remember when I was back home. Uh, I was I was watching this band, the, and I was at the time twenty six, twenty seven, and I was watching this band full of forty year olds play Rob Zombie, and I was just like, "Ugh, that is." That's how old Rob Zombie is. Right, but they were old guys trying to like be cool and it looked it just yeah, looked worse. It's true
0: it's a it's a young man's game unless you did it since you were young and are still doing it when you're 70 yeah. and and,
2: and then Is that what's otherwise starting at 70. old guy originals yeah. Wait, <laughs> no no so yeah it's really hard to like fit in anywhere once you're over 35 32? yeah took
1: my centrum silver
0: and my joints feel like the good. I fucked
2: up my back sleeping somehow.
0: Well, I can honestly tell you every well, let me, let me let me make sure. Almost every club that I ever played at when I was in my band is now defunct, gone. What was your band called? Uh, I was in a couple. One was uh, Hostile was the one we played, Rafters and Coronas. and Coronas is now the DI at 45th and, and State Street. <laughs> Coronas. Coronas. Rafters. Uh, rafters. Do you remember rafters? rafters? Rafters is now a big
2: part of my 48th childhood.
0: 48th and, what is it, about 5th? Fifth West, I can't remember. Kind of right there in that corner, just the first building in. It's now like a sewing machine shop or something. Yeah. What I know of Raptors, where the fat
1: tire was, is now no. Uh, uh, that's the five
0: miles west, west of there. That's oh, right yeah, off State Street, yeah, Street yeah, and then yeah. you go down, down the hill, the way, mm-hmm, and, and before you get to the Maverick, that's right there. Mm-hmm. Oh man! My
2: cousin's band. My cousin was in a band called Hard Knocks, and this yeah. was in like ninety ninety one. We played with them all Tell the time. Me they were spelled we were like there. This K N O X. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they had the big hair and they just and at the time I was like twelve. 12. Hard yeah Knox t-shirt. Yeah, I, I probably have CDs somewhere, but they look so fucking cool. And I used to hear stories about rafters. He opened for Pantera, a bunch of bands there, and he used oh, to tell yeah, me all these yeah. things. And I was just like, oh, when I get when I'm 21, I'm fucking hanging out at Rafters. And yeah. It was long gone by the time I was twenty-one. It's but like, what happened? I oh, hear man. I hear stories. That was like the rock hangout, man, oh, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Every
0: band from you know Wild Side to killer dwarves to like you said pantera the late to 80s, every early one 90s of those bands, bands played there before they got
2: real big yeah
1: fuck it yeah, was a cool it was a cool was like, place it was like roadhouse and shit kind of
2: exactly but with a lot of hair and oh a lot of hair yeah a lot of hair huh Wow. <laughs> I'm kind. I'm kind of jealous that I missed out on oh, those yeah. days. So I, so I feel bad. I, I apologize. I put downtown, them all out of business.
1: Yeah, downtown <laughs> that that era, there was a lot of great venues. I mean, the Zephyr was still there, and the Data, yeah. and all that, and Deviate, and all mm-hmm. those great. I did venues play D V A once. So did I. I, uh, I to like nine people. Really? Yeah.
2: I, I played a packed house. my band was opening for Metal Church, um, Metal Church. But uh, I was on that stage, and I remember. Mushroom Head had played there before we had, like a few weeks before. And I was like, how did they get nine people or ten or whatever Mushroom Head has on this stage? It's like six feet wide. But then I don't know, that was a fun place, but
0: yeah. it's gone. Yeah.
2: Literally, like it burnt down. Yeah. And that was a
0: weird crazy. place because there were some times when it was just packed, crazy crowded. And then there were other times when uh, I, I did never see it, but I know Cheap Trick, Mick always talks about this about how he saw Cheap Trick there play for like eight people. Re- Before they got big. Oh,
2: really? hmm Yeah.
0: Huh. And this place was actually on the, the circuit of the huge bands. Mm-hmm. Like, The Doors played at Lagoon. <laughs> right. The Beach you know Boys look played up, at Lagoon. Look
2: up bands that have played at Lagoon. There's a website that yeah. has it.
0: And then there was the Terrace Ballroom, and they had, like, Led Zeppelin played there. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that, like, Rolling Stones played there in the 60s, early 70s. Isn't that crazy?
1: It's, yeah. it's crazy to... Well, because that's the thing is, people think of of Utah. Even when I was in high school, all the way up through, I don't know. People still say it, we don't get the big shows. Well, but they did. They came through. They played every city, and and yeah, and so it is crazy to think that like Zeppelin came here. the 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 the, the, the Doors the played door. here. Yeah, the real Doors. The, yeah. They played here, not like the the Doors like D O R E S, you know, or right. something. <laughs> I like it's short for Doors. Yeah. yeah, the the yeah. tribute
0: band Break On Through. They yeah. came. Through. They <laughs> break <here>. on
1: through. <laughs> but yeah. no, that's crazy. It's and that's awesome that that um, that you got to play at those places. I we played Liquid Joe's and Urban Lounge and yeah. in the venue and I missed and, out on uh, that too.
2: My band was from Price, so we we'd come up here once a year maybe do a show. So I missed out. I didn't move to Salt Lake until, shit. I was twenty eight, so uh, I missed out on all the. We played up here a few times opening for bands. I remember there was a a, way back in the day, probably 2000, not even that, probably 98, 99. uh, We got offered a spot to open for Kitty. Remember Kitty? Yeah. IE? Yeah, with With a chick metal band. Kitty. Opening for them was Nickelback. Wow.
0: (laughs) So you, and did you open, did you do the, I can't remember what happened, but we didn't end up doing it.
2: But uh, yeah, Nickelback opened for Kitty. And this wow. is late '90s somewhere. That's amazing. That
0: yeah, that's amazing. So you never played at the Chafalaya in Provo, even?
2: No, that was closer. It was. I remember. That. I ju- you just saying that? I remember? I remember we used to like. Well, oh, we need to get in there. To contact. We were the laziest band ever. <laughs> we would just talk about things, and not do anything. Sometimes a gig would fall in our lap. We did a lot of cover cover gigs, but
0: yeah.
1: You but, know what
0: my last gig with my band
1: was?
2: Was it the Was it the uh, Your,
0: what, what do we call that? The the music. The Battle of the Bands. The Battle of the Bands. It was the freak yeah.
1: show for it was. Um, the, we we submitted the jingle. Yeah, and then we came up and played, and and I had the mohawk and wore uh, the kilt, a kilt with like boots. Yeah, oh yeah. When this comes out on Tuesday, somebody remind me, and I'll tweet. I have a picture of it. Oh, I bet from you that, do from that day, and I found it. It's so funny, but. It was funny because I got done doing that and came up and started talking to you guys and started doing voices. Yeah, and my band broke up right after that, <laughs> and I just came and started hanging out with you yeah, guys. Yeah, th- I remember that and that's completely. It, that's how I I got into comedy. It was I met co- comedians and then blah blah blah. I went and yeah. the
0: circle of life. Right? No that's, what, that's exactly what it was.
1: My no, last. I, rem- game I remember was sitting
0: you. with mm-hmm. with Mick and Dana, Dana Strum, Strum from Slaughter. Yep. And we were the we were the judges. Dana, yeah.
2: Dana Strum has a serious background. Yeah. Like a lot of people think he is the is oh, the bass player for that shitty band. He actually told Ozzy, Hey, check out this Randy Rhodes cat. Really? Yeah, that was Dana Strom. Dana Strum was responsible for Randy Rhodes. Um Vinnie Vince Invasion, which was nothing, but yeah, Dana Strom was kind of a big He was like yeah. the guy in LA in the early eighties who like people were like, Hey. And he's he still does basically
0: Vince Neil's solo stuff. Right. He he directs that band basically. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I remember that, that day. day. Holy cow. <laughs> look, up, look at that. Got that picture right there. Look at that idiot. Oh, in yeah. It, in his boots and his kilt. What a jackass.
1: <laughs> what <laughs> a dumb... Look at that idiot. Oh, look at that fucking idiot.
2: Those are the best, dude. I found a picture
1: of me those the other great. day. That's amazing. What I was for Christmas, jackass. and I found a
2: picture of me wearing a net shirt, like fishing net. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: camouflage yeah. pants. Yeah.
0: Ugh. We should, a, we should find our old band pictures. Oh yeah. I seriously would have to go Let's search. I think, I, I think Th- that I would be funny.
1: I've got, a red, a, I've got a red mohawk, uh, a tribal tattoo on my shoulder. I'm wearing a camouflage kilt and a Thundercats wristband because I'm I'm edgy but still approachable. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> this, <laughs> oh, I would, I that's would awesome. fight this version of me. <laughs> I would kick <laughs> this version of me out. Did you win the battle of the bands? No. You didn't? No, I don't think we did. Who did? But you know what? It's fair, because I was a dumb idiot. <laughs> like,
2: like, you know, I was you running out. But, to be honest,
1: that was a really bad time. I We were all, like, coked up, and, like, I was actually going out to the parking lot and doing bumps of coke in my car and coming back <laughs> and doing the, the show. show. <laughs> what? So, just so you know, that's when you met me. I was like, hey, you guys want to hear, like, 90 voices? <laughs> Here's what George Bush sounds like. You're like, that sounds strangely like him. <laughs> About this <laughs> baseball team. They're doing great. Is there something on my face? <laughs> What's that? I, I was do remember a, that day. I was eating powdered donuts. Now it makes... A now it makes sense. a lot of sense. Yeah. No, it was. But I'm glad I got out of it because this is much, uh, much bigger thing. But that's funny how like my last gig was with, was yeah, with you. No yeah, kidding. It was for you. That's a
0: trip. Yeah. And I remember you being in the studio and and I don't remember which comedians, but it seemed like whenever there was a comedian that would come in, you would throw some stuff at him and yeah. then you'd kind of get numbers from people and you. Yeah. And, get, and then John Moyer took me over. there And then we and watched you just kind of yeah. It was it cool. Was, it was, it was, was a cool uh, transformation, really. It was
1: weird. To, yeah. It was it was cool, but I appreciate that. So yeah, it's funny how that just kind of ended and. This but I
0: remember you. The bit you would you would do is all the like the Star Wars, whatever yeah, it was. The black remember? Star Wars. Remember how bit. you do the Star? Yeah, yeah. it was the black Star Wars, and Chris yeah. Rock was something. Like, yeah. I wow, that was a how long ago was that? Two
1: ten years. Well, i I started comedy in two thousand five, so I probably was hanging out with you guys in two thousand oh, four
0: ish. Yeah, twelve so years. Twelve years. Ago. A dozen years That's ago.
1: Crazy. Setting up the setting up the rat.
0: That's the amazing. Big, yeah, the big rat.
1: The big rat.
0: The big rat with the with the with the limp fucking, guitar. Yeah.
1: Oh my <laughs> god. Is it a rat? Not
0: a bear. I th- well, it's supposed to be a bear, but we're no. not sure. It's, it, I, it might be it a does must. Look like a rat. Now that I yeah. think about it, it's so, I've it's seen seen a the rat, and, it, and we don't know why his guitar's limp. It's yeah. just oh can't man. fix Good it.
1: memories. That was cool. But be, was being in bands, you know, I think it. I think it. Doing something, being musical, I think, just helps you think in a different direction. You have to be able to think um in you know nobody's just like I'm making music' straight ahead you have to think about the bass and the drums you have to think about all the aspects and the mixing and the I mean there's a process to it there's a creative process which I think makes you better for doing things like comedy uh, radio writing uh being in front of people sure i can say that being being the lead singer my band gave me such and and i know you too because when i saw you and i said what did you do before this and you said i was in a band i said exactly that's one of the things me and you kicked off being our friends or our friendship kicked off on because we both got a head start and you (laughs) being personable i mean it just works the transition works because you go i know how to read a crowd i know how to play to People that are be, that are yelling or, or being hysterical. I've worked in bars. I've done this. So being in comedy, you're stripped down. It's just you. Yeah. Being on radio, it's just you and a mic. But you understand you how
0: still how to do it. And know. especially being that that opening band. Mm. So like you're oh, there yeah. playing for the op- for, for the big band that the, all those people. That's all they're there for. And they the haven't had enough drinks in them on your first set to really mm. even care. And then after they've had a few drinks, then they start by the end of your second set or your second, you know, 30 minutes yeah. was then they start getting up and start dancing, having fun and start getting ready for the
2: like it's just a
0: night and day weird now, different place mm-hmm. to be.
2: I've heard I've heard Marcus's band. Was your band covers, originals? What'd you do? Uh, we did
0: a, a mix. We did some covers. We did originals. We did all the the different ones. We did like Blackout in the Red Room, if you remember that song. We did Blackout, Salty Red- Dog, Come Along. Oh, okay. did, I remember that song. We did the weird ones, not the you know. We didn't do Slaughter and we didn't do you know Poison, but we yeah. did all these these all- trippy ones that were like, Wow! You want to hear some? Original? Ru- you want to hear that? some Rune? I actually have some Rune on my phone. You've shown me that before, and I was like, is that Chris Cornell? <laughs> Let me sh- Here, I'll, this is, um,
1: this was my this favorite- This is your band. This was my favorite song that we did. Okay. There was- this was kind of like a- Like a- I don't know, like a groovy- And I'll- you know what? That's fair. I was such a hack. I tried to sing, and that's why I think I do impressions now. Because every time I tried to sing, I tried to sing like somebody. So I would listen to this, and I would try to go like the Chris Cornell register yeah.
2: of my voice, and so that's well, what this sounded the players, like. I would have a hard time doing your own thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Here's the
1: chorus. And this was the song K Bear played. Um, No, that's not it, this one.
0: It's
1: called House of Flesh and Bone. So I was really a deep songwriter who had
2: metaphors on his mind. You can tell you're a comic now because you're totally shitting on, on you. The, the self-deprecation. Well, I mean, I, I admit, admit
1: this is a... Comedy,
2: it's, like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Because
1: I'm listening to it going, that's not that bad. It's a good song, and I like it, and I think it's well-produced, and I think it sounds good, but the funny thing is, is to, like... Like think of how like I wrote this song about like a man waiting for his life to end and staring at his desolation. I'm like, fuck off, dude. Life wasn't that bad. Go out and <laughs> you were getting BJ's. Life was good. Shut up. That's
2: what's hard to That's what's hard to do now that we're that we're a certain age. like, what 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 would you think about?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd say.
2: I uh, I'm like ah yeah. My mortgage is affordable. Yeah. <laughs> I got some well, new. I got some on my
1: interest, or yeah, it's, it's, it's. I don't know. It's, it's just. The, I built myself a pergola. The the <laughs> seriousness of how of how of what we took.
2: I was never of. a songwriter. Yeah. I would write riffs. I would put songs together. Like all the song, my band did record a CD, and I put all the you know wrote the riffs, wrote this, laid this, did this. But I've tried to write lyrics several times. Ugh. It's yeah. like a five-year-old rhyme scheming. It's just like, the cat <laughs> in the hat with a bat is a dat. <laughs> Dude,
1: we're throwing down the cat in the hat as a bat into that song. I want to hear that, that song. song. <laughs> it's coming around. Yeah, I want to
2: hear it. And then I'd try to be deep, and it just like, I'd, I'd write, you're like, yeah. And then the next day, I'd wake up and read it, like, Ugh! <laughs> murder wrote uh,
1: murder this. But no, I but you know what, though? It's It was a good time, I think, that like as a songwriter, like it helped kind of get stuff out of me which i think Isn't is now which is good because comedy does that same thing but i think it allowed me to kind of get that serious aspect and then when i i was able to kind of have that silliness left so yeah i can hear that in my headphones just so you know which is probably the microphone picking
0: it up too
2: i i don't, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about all right. i think you shat
1: i think you
0: shit your pants yeah that rhymes now. with cat in the hat too Yeah, the cat in the hat made a <laughs> shat in your pants uh <laughs> nah, but we, th- but you know if what's interesting though and, and we can take everything we just talked about and go to how amazing or 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 what was it? So obviously from battle of the bands mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't jump start you to getting a music career or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> but what, but what was it that that brought you know most of the the big bands you know the people that are household names the the singers the songwriters the I mean obviously they're very talented but somebody found them somebody saw them mm. somewhere like
2: yeah. this, the discovery of bands yeah
0: and, it's, and it used to be there were certain people like the a&r people from bands that would literally go find people like there's mm-hmm. clive what's his name clive uh, clive davis is, is responsible for most of the people you know of from from you know back in the day and it's like wow, it's hard isn't that crazy to yeah. to think of that and and I don't know. I, and I just wonder, who's who's out there now doing that? Because record companies don't really exist anymore. So internet. is anybody really doing that? So unless somebody sees you on the internet, are there people scouring the internet 24-7 just you know, looking for here, that? Here's the thing. If you
1: look at the last... Well, if you look at the genres and you go, okay, pop. Pop music is either... People that are still in pop, Maroon Five, Gwen Stefani yeah. comes back, and or as mom. we've talked about, the dis- same, or it's Disney princesses, right? Who were who were too young ten years ago, but now Ariana Grande is old enough to bang, so she can make we can make her sexy. Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, it's this all the same mm-hmm. group of people. The Katy Perry, that thing, or the boy band with the same music as that boy as band that, that, boy that you band, just
0: change the words and.
1: Rap music has changed completely because rappers don't release albums; they release mixtapes. They just go in and drop singles left and right on iTunes, Drake's, that Hotline Bling song that Drake is, that is everywhere, everybody's heard that song, it's everywhere, It's I've heard it twice today and I haven't even listened to the radio. But you
0: don't need to do an album, is what you're
1: saying. And he dropped that just on iTunes and he can sell 5 million downloads of that one song and that's it, you don't need to, that's it, I can make another, I can drop another mixtape, I don't need to make an album and when I do, it's a huge deal because it's not just six songs and so that's kind of revolutionized the way they release music mm-hmm. in that genre country is just manufactured same thing it's boy bands now it's these same guy wallet chain this dude so i don't think that music now and it's funny because when you watch and i do i have no problem saying this every year i watch american idol from beginning to end Mm -hmm. it fascinates me because you see these 16 year old kids or something that come in and they're just these starry-eyed kids and they sing and they're amazing and Mm -hmm. you go wow what talent and then these people, they go, they get, in, they bring in this what Bruschetta guy, Scott Bruschetta, who's responsible for Taylor Swift. He's responsible. I found Taylor Swift. I'm responsible. To, a a
0: and guy, they, there, an Italian hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, is, what's is, his,
1: yeah it's like Bort, Scott Bruschetta. That's his name. Okay. And he's like, he looks like a, he's all like, he's got this drawn on mustache, and he's a real slick guy, and he's there every week, and you watch it, and you watch these kids, and you go, wow, well. You know, I don't feel too bad for them. Something's going to happen. They have amazing voices, and this record label guy is right here, so you'll probably hear from them again. And then they go away. Right. And I re- recall, I'll get into American Idol every year. I get into it, and then it ends, and I've never, I can't even remember the names of the people I saw. I can't even remember them because you get into it, and you go, this is cool drama, and it's fun to watch, and whatever, and it's a show, and it's on every week. But nothing happens with those kids. That's not something that exists anymore because yeah. pop stars are manufactured. Absolutely. And even a show that's on television about discovering young talent doesn't manufacture. They find them somewhere else. And you're right. I don't know where they come from. It's Isn't like- that
0: a perfect metaphor, though? And, and I wonder, because we've talked about this even on a few shows ago, where even at, at our limited you know, successes and, and fame that we have in, in little things that we do, you know, whether we're doing a comedy show or a radio show or whatever it is here in our town, right? Uh, which is awesome. I'm not saying it's nothing, but I'm just saying, you know, compared to Taylor Swift and other things and, you know, Drake's own five million downloads, whatever. Do you think some of these kids get involved in the stuff that we've talked about that, that, you know, they're out in the parking lot doing bumps and they're this doing oh, this true. and then they get caught up in it and we never hear from them again? Because well, who knows what I happened to them? I don't know if you
1: them. even get to the point of ever
0: being able to afford go do bumps in the parking lot. I yeah. think a lot of this stuff is like, oh, you were part of our show.
1: You were a cast member. Great, thanks, yeah, move on. Thanks, bye-bye. You're, y- you're not the you're star. You're done, right. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, that it's not grinder. like they're going, and then they, you know, here's the thing. I was on Last Comic Standing in 2008. Yeah, great and example. And I'm still able to use that as a credit because there was some kind of, there was a different time. Like, it just, it resonated differently but nowadays, like, somebody who was on, but still, see, I feel weird using Last Comic Standing as a credit because it was so long ago. But, but by that same token, somebody who was on last season of American Idol, you're no longer relevant. You were on TV one year ago, yeah, and you're down to like doing state fairs and like mall appearances because oh, a new one's starting. We're replacing. But Europe. I feel
0: that's the difference, though, is that you're yeah. able to use that still because you're still going and you've you've improved well, on that that guy and you're you could you were that guy,
2: but now the you're something else. To, Absolutely,
1: yeah. Because the business was different, and I got an opportunity. It wasn't about. And you're still going. Hashtags and trending. Comedy is also
2: a different animal from music, though. Like you can have. Yeah. There's not a one hit wonder comedy. And you can keep. You no, know, I mean. There, going there are guys 10 that years come, later yeah, you can have a career even if you don't there's there's dudes we know that make 100 grand a year that no have ever heard of you've never
0: heard of well and gilbert godfrey was here just a couple weeks ago and it's like i mean the guy's funny and i like yeah. he's if, awesome if comedian, but at the same time he did a few voices and
2: if you're a huge. comedian that was famous yeah. once you can you can live off that for the look at gilbert yeah he's still making yeah uh, and i'm not sure what he got paid for the weekend here but i know it's I'm sure it's it was good. Wh- It was fine. I have, a, I yeah. have an estimate. And,
1: and, and if you do that, like, that's the thing, too, is like, you can live comfortably as a comic working, you
0: know, f- if you work uh, weekends. Yeah. And then you're, you know. Because uh, there's levels. It's not, you don't have to yeah. be, be worried about being, there because you know, there's a lot of musicians, I think, that once they're the, the arena band, that right. they're the, you know, the, that a lot of them, they, they lose it. well, yeah. but and, also, and luckily, some of them come back and they still, they realize, okay, we're this now. Or But a lot of them just disappear. Right. You're like, what happened to that guy? But also,
1: by that same token, if you're a band playing for 300 people, it's an all right gig. Yeah. But you're not going to walk out of there making a lot of money because you're splitting it up. you got four or five guys, 300 people. You're splitting road it with crew, your man. You road crew, yeah. you, all this other stuff. If you're a comic playing for 300 people, that's a solid room. And that's you. And there's not a lot of overhead. And right. every one of those 300 people aren't on a dance floor. They're sitting down and they're ordering food and right. they're ordering drinks. And the club's happy. And, and you get a greater percentage of, you know, depending on what your deal is, whether it's a guarantee or a door. Yeah. You're there. So you can. And then if you graduate, then you do 1,000 seats. And then there's sure. a place that has 2,500
0: seats. And then you're doing the place that has 5,000 seats. But then once you've done the 5,000 seats, can you
2: still go back to the 300 seat and be happy? Me and Guy, this past month. We did we did over six thousand on Thursday, and then we went to like what hundred on Friday.
1: On Friday, yeah, it was. We did a week where we had corporate shows. Companies had hired us to do, uh, mm-hmm. and any company, if you work for a company, our show is so good for companies. We found this out. We did shows. We had one at the beginning of the month that was like at this beautiful ballroom at the uni- the University Marriott or something, yeah. just gorgeous, and it was amazing. And then the next one we do is at the East Center for Ken Garf West Valley. Great yeah. company. And they set us up on a stage on the floor and they sat down there and we're in the East Center and we're thinking, oh, this is amazing. It's not going to get better than this. We're at playing the East Center. Yeah. The next night, we find out that our gig is at USU, uh, which is the um, Utah State University, their basketball arena. Wow. And we walk in and it's some company, um, Conservus, a mm-hmm. uh, great company uh, based out of northern Utah. And, they had like 6,000 employees that, and their wow. families, okay. all ages too. It was like people in there with like their four-year-old kids. And we were up there on this stage and we opened for a band called American Authors, which has that, I know them from the commercial song. They have the song that's, best uh, day of my life. it's the best day of my life. right? Yeah, 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 And they had hired them to perform for all of these people. And we opened and did 30 minutes or so. And, and it just killed in wow. front of, and then the next night, we're back at the Gallivan Center for 100 right. And then a wee, uh, few days later, right before Christmas, we did a, a very intimate show at the Tuscany oh, yeah, for, for, for 18 people. A, a very small organization. And every one of those shows was incredible. Killer. killer.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think what I'm getting from this, though, is that if you love what you do, yeah, and you are truly—it's your craft. It's your— it's what, it's what you love doing, whether it's singing or or, or telling jokes or whatever. Yeah. You're, you are you are a performer, and that's what you love doing. Yeah. Then you're fine with whatever it is. And that's yeah. where I think a lot of these guys, even if they're not on the arena tour anymore, I still love playing music, and I'll go play at the club for 10 people. I don't care, because right. I love singing and playing music. There's,
2: there's dudes. Uh, I listen to Eddie Trunk's podcast a lot, and he's talked about this a few times. There's a guy named Mike Tramp who yeah. sang for White, White Lion, Lion. For sure. He now... Literally gets in his car by himself and goes and does acoustic bar gigs. Just him and a guitar. He doesn't go- travel with a crew, an agent, anything. He just has like a Hyundai or whatever, throws his acoustic guitar in it and goes and hits hits bars. Right. And I don't know how much of that is like out of just love, lo- the love of doing it or the That's necessity. That's all you know. Or, yeah. Yeah. But, but that'd be yeah. humble because there was a time in the late 80s where that band was oh. huge. Yeah. When the children cry? Yeah. So I, you know,
1: and it's interesting. And I think that it is perspective because there's something that like, that's why if you go to LA or something, there's always big, big people that are dropping in to do comedy sets because there's something about like, if I'm Chris rock and I'm trying something out in front of 20 people, it's intimate or 40 or 60 or whatever at the basement or or you're at the laugh factory or somewhere like, you know, like you're, I don't know. It's, there's something about connecting with people on that level that, that, prepares you for getting on stage in front of thousands.
2: Comedians. Makes sense. Comedians. I, I was thinking about this, too. Like, you'll never see Steven Tyler. I mean, you will. He. I've seen there's a couple of videos of him joining, like, uh, uh, buskers and stuff. Um, on the streets. On the yeah. streets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, comedians will come into town a couple days early and be like, hey, where's the open mic?
1: Yeah, can I get on stage somewhere and wow. do five minutes? I've had yeah. open mics in cities and stuff that were like, people sitting on floors in the back of bars and you're doing, you know, you just run up and you do 10 minutes and, 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 and I was, and going back to something you said too, about being the opening band, a guy can attest to this too. I spent the first few years of my career trying to open for everybody I could, not just because I wanted to be in the big shows. I didn't want to be right before the big act either. Mm-hmm. Let me host. Let me go up first because I, There's a challenge, and uh, to like you say, going up to people who aren't there to see you. Yeah. Their energy isn't centered yet. They haven't had the drinks yet. And you have to be on your game and set a
0: tone. And somehow, after they come up to you and go, man, you're funny.
1: Yeah, or they go, man, really? you're being like you. rocked. Yeah. You, guys, you guys were funnier than the, you know, you guys were better than the main guy. You, you get that, I get
2: that a lot. You're funnier than the headliner. And you're sitting it's there like, going, yeah, I did, all right, shut up. I did 10 minutes. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. you busted your ass and put in the time. And But and, you, but it prepares you. Yeah, it's I, so true. I, I mean, we've done, with this music show, because we kind of had to start over.
1: You know, we were we were comics for, for years, and then we said, okay, let's try to write a musical. Mm-hmm. And, and for anybody that's heard the story, I tried to start doing this show with recorded tracks that was awful. It was, the recorded tracks were great. Don't get me wrong. They were done for me by a, a friend of mine, DJ Seo, who's a great DJ, mixed them up, and they weren't great. Problem is, is there was no connection between me and the music. Sounded like karaoke when I tried to do it. it sure. Was, it was awful to me. I didn't like it as a performer. Guy sits down and goes, oh, okay, well, I'll take this script of songs that you have put together, and I will learn 50, 60 songs. That sucked. And he, (laughs) he sat down and did it. I mean, learned, and he would come and he would go, listen to this. I found this. And I'd hear it musically because I I don't read music or play music. And I just go, oh, that makes sense. And we would kind of figure this out and get on stage. And we would do shows that for 10 people, when we started, even though we would do comedy and sell the room out, we would do music. We would say, Marcus and Guy, come out five bucks. It's cheaper than when we headline. It's cheaper than when we do comedy. And you'd get Eight people, 10 people, and we'd, okay, we're on the line for 90 minutes. And we'd go up there, and we'd see which songs worked and which didn't. And we had to kind of start this over. Weed about. them out. We were out there doing the band thing. Yeah. Hustling again. And still to this day, we're still trying to figure out, like, how do you, how do you market this show? How do you make this show national? how do you make people I understand I think I found our niche, is? but it's,
2: it's, it's more like now get booked in that niche. Our niche is corporate.
1: Yeah, we the the idea of being able to do this for like companies and 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 in that setting and like singing and comedy at the same time. It's so it's I mean, it just works so well and but it, again, yeah, now you're like, "Okay, well how do you how do I break into the business that yeah. I'm already in?" Yeah. You know, and and every one of us wants to to book higher to the level. I mean, even you know, even the guy—I I would say, like, even if you're Larry the Cable Guy and you're selling out the Nebraska College Football Stadium, you're like, "Well, now which one can I sell out next?" You know, you're you're trying to always, wrap your head yeah, around always, it. Always yeah.
2: chasing the carrot.
1: Right, right. So you
2: know, what's funny is we we text each other, all of us, all three of us, we text each other the other day. What's the next podcast going to be about? David Bowie. We're <laughs> we're almost <laughs> done. Well, no mention of Bowie. Well, I
1: think we got off. Dra- but to, but to be fair, I I. I think we do need to talk about Bowie for a few minutes. So if we're almost done, we should uh, we should switch lanes and at least talk about him.
2: And then let's leave with a with a Chris Cornell impression. I brought my guitar and I'll oh. fuck it up because I didn't bring a pick. I had to make a pick out of a credit card, but we'll do it.
0: That's oh. how we started. What did you make? Uh, never mind. Well, we'll <laughs> not back to the pick question. That's <laughs> so that, That's what. That,
2: but that's got to got us up Like a motherfucker this week.
0: And yeah.
1: and in addition, I know that we don't really talk about other things like movies and TV and things like that on on. This podcast, but we also lost talk about anything. the amazing Alan Rickman, mm-hmm. who uh, was part of some of the most iconic scenes and movies in, in cinema history. From being the first, his very first cinematic appearance being Hans Gruber in Die Hard, taking on Detective John McClane, mm-hmm. to all the way up to, you know, Professor Sirius Snape. Yeah. Severus Snape, uh, Sirius Snape, Severus Snape in, in Harry Potter and everything in between.
0: Are you are you a, a wine connoisseur at all? Wine connoisseur? Mm-hmm. Not no. There's not a really. movie called Bottle Shock. Really? Okay. That he is he's in. Okay, and he's a he plays a great role in that movie. I think you'd probably like it. Okay, I'll ch- it's I'll it's find. really all about uh, how the wine industry of California, when it first started, oh. and was looked at the upstart joke okay. of the world from France's point of view, could somehow make good wines in California as opposed to everywhere over in in France. In France. Cool, huh? cool movie though. And uh-huh. he's he's in that Bottle Shock. Rickman is
1: in Rickman has really been in a lot of things. I mean even when you're when you're thinking about uh you know just I, the scope of his career. So cancer's been a big but but David Bowie yeah. was a very sudden as as was Rickman, but a very sudden and unexpected well, loss.
2: Bowie didn't tell anybody.
1: Yeah, he was just well everybody knew that that all I had heard was we're getting a new album from Bowie. He's going to release something new, and he everybody was. I didn't know that he was a he was releasing a goodbye yeah. to yeah. everyone. And and that that is. Let me ask you this: as a musician, is that the ultimate? Is that the ultimate thing of saying, "Look, I know my life is over, yeah, and I am going to use the format." That's the
2: that, ultimate artist. Yeah, is saying I'm saying yeah. goodbye he to my He doesn't need the song, money. And that's what you, and, and that's kind of na- what
0: Dave, or David Bowie was though. He he did it his way. He transcended he everything. He did it his way everything he did and changed himself so many times and changed his music and changed his style and changed his persona I, and whatever it was that this was absolutely the I way. Was never, and his family knew and and yeah. he kept, but at the same time do you feel slighted as a fan that you didn't know no, I was. You was it my? Was it my? And that's business. where I feel like. I feel like so much in our in the world now with with Instagram and and Facebook and everything that we know everything about everyone. There's no mystery. There's no anything. And somehow David Bowie kept the mystery, right. and we
2: didn't. Know. He's the cool guy to like. Like all the young people, everybody, all ages like David Bowie, and that's cool. I'm not. I'm not Absolutely. pissing on that. But like, I will be. I will admit, I was never like. The fan. I know the hits. Yeah. And to be honest with you, his 70s stuff didn't really relate to me. Uh, I really like Space Oddity, mm-hmm. but like, but uh, uh, what's uh, Rebel, Rebel, the yeah. 70s, the, uh, never really connected with me. But in the '80s, like with "Let's Dance," right? Uh, modern yeah, I, Love, Love, China dance. Girl, the China yeah. Girl, uh, China
0: Girl, and the uh, Ashes to Ashes, the, the MTV yeah. ones. Do you know who wrote China Girl with gasoline? Who? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> you just shut your
1: mouth. I love putting out fires with gasoline from the. Um, was it Cat People?
2: The, oh wow! Um, putting out fires. Do you know who wrote? Do you know who wrote? Uh, da, 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 China Girl, uh, China Girl. No, uh, Iggy Pop. Did I did really? name. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: I hear it now. It I, I can hear it in my head right now. It's totally a yeah. Niggie Pop song. Yeah.
2: And Niggie Pop's version sucks. And then he, and then, what he did, like, even into the 90s, he was very relevant in the stuff he's doing good. And then he did that song with Trent Reznor, I'm afraid of Americans. I'm afraid of Americans. Johnny likes pussy and cows.
1: Yeah. And he, uh, and you know, he has always been like a presence in, in film as well. I know a lot of people were like, oh, Labyrinth. And uh, to me, I saw Labyrinth in 1986 in the theaters, mm-hmm. and I immediately went to the library. And I, because that's you could back then, and checked out David Bowie Records. And that's when the Let's Dance Modern Love album was out. And yeah. I devoured that album. I could not listen to that album enough because I loved the Labyrinth songs, and it was kind of poppy like mm-hmm. that. And it wasn't until I, I'm like you. I got a little older, and I could appreciate, you know, we are the young
0: Americans, and
1: all these great songs. Yeah, yeah. I, re- I think I remember Tom the first and... David
0: Bowie song I heard on the radio. All I heard was Oh wham, bam." Thank you, ma'am. And I was like, "Oh, who is that?" <laughs> but he, but you look at you look at what he did dynamically through
1: music, starting as Ziggy, and and setting this out, and then going into film and being part of things like, I mean. Labyrinth, the, the the Last Temptation of Christ. I mean, he was in yeah. Zoolander. I'm only familiar with Labyrinth. I'm not a movie uh, guy though. He was he was he was um he played Nikolai Tesla yeah. in the prestige, which was a great Christopher Nolan movie. It was a great he's part. Worked, he's worked with so many actors and, and people and been part of things and he's played himself. I don't know if um if you guys if you're not familiar, Ricky Gervais did a great series. He did two series um that were fantastic. Well, three actors. No. Yeah, three. But uh, the first two, one was The Office, which got remade. And the second one was a series called Extras, where he played a struggling actor, right, trying to get in. And um, at first they were Extras. And then he gets a part that, like, he has to kind of sell out for. and it, But it makes him famous, but he hates it. And it's a really brilliant series. And a lot of people show up, and there's a whole thing where he's, like, he's the only guy in VIP, but then David Bowie shows up, and they want to kick him out because he's not famous enough. <laughs> and so he has this whole scene with Bowie, and about fame, and like, you know, it's Gervais, and it's great, and, it, and it's just, it's, I don't know, it's brilliant when he would play himself, like he did in Zoolander, and he, mm-hmm. he understood the relevance of him both musically, cinematically, and fashion-wise. I mean, he was a cultural icon uh, from, Absolutely. from start to
0: finish. Absolutely. And, and, and I'll tell you too, fame, great, great song. If, go, go listen to fame. Go put, go put your headphones on and listen to fame and listen to just how cool it is. Because you you don't really even hear the whole song most of the time. Do you, do you know who sang
2: background on that? Who was it? John Lennon. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great it's guitar. The riffs, everything.
0: And then go back to the Bing Crosby. Go oh, back yeah, to the, the Bing, Bing Crosby, Crosby duet with the, with, for the, you know, with the... Peace on earth. It's just, you know, good he, will
2: he's been around for yeah, a long that, ass yeah, time. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that... But in the last, I love you, David In the Bowie. last month, Lemmy, uh, David Bowie, Alan Rickman, mm-hmm. Grizzly Adams, and then I know I'm going to get shit for this, but Celine Dion is my all-time favorite female singer of all time. That's right, her husband passed, Her too. husband died, and then today, her brother died Yeah, from cancer. What? Yeah, I saw so you read
1: that. And Annette Funicello died this week, too. Did she? Yeah, Annette Funicello died. I, did, I didn't know she was alive. Uh, you know what? I didn't know that about Dan Haggerty, either. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was I, w- I was like uh, Grizzly Adams. I was like, uh, did somebody is somebody tweeting from 1998 right now? What
2: happened? <laughs> he well, wasn't what? that old. You know what's weird is I did the math because the Grizzly Adams died at 74, and I'm like 74, and I did the math back. That means he was only like 32 when he had
1: that fucking beard. Yeah. Yeah, he looked yeah. like, like he a Christmas. He's like fifty. He
2: younger than we are. He was like 32 yeah, or three. Yeah. it's like Jesus.
1: Yeah, he w- He was. I think I feel like he was a dude that like got pubes at six
0: and was like,
2: yeah. hello. <laughs>
1: Mother, bring me your teat.
2: <laughs> he walked to kindergarten with an axe. Yeah, yeah he, they, right. they were
0: like, yeah, bring us your birth certificate before we let you into your new school here. We know you're 40. <laughs> you're
2: 25. Get out of here. You're not making the basketball team. Uh, okay. Uh,
0: Him and his bear trundle off. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, I hope we were not too prophetic a few podcasts ago when we talked about this, that, that we have so many rock stars that are this on age on cusp. That, that I hope this next year is not this year, that every uh, time we do a show, there's two or three more because yeah. it really could to that be. are
2: getting to yeah. Everybody's getting up there. There's I mean, so many of them. I was them. joking with a guy the other day, a buddy of mine, like, who's next? And we're like, could be anybody. Could be anybody from Pink Floyd. Could be... Zeppelin. One of the guys from Zeppelin. Any more people from Sabbath. Any of them. Any of them. I got Sabbath tickets. You better not fucking die anybody in Sabbath. No
1: kidding. You know, I do want to say one thing and I thought this was very prophetic. I saw a great tweet uh, and I, I don't know who to give credit for. Somebody had shared it and, and all this, and I really apologize. I'm not taking any credit for this. Uh, but it said, um, we don't cry. Why, I, somebody said, I was, I was thinking why we cry when celebrities or musicians Juliet Lewis. Was that who wrote that? And it said it wasn't because we knew them, but it was because they helped us know ourselves. Hell yeah. yeah. And I thought that was so brilliantly said because and if that was juliet lewis fantastic uh way to say that because i can say with all honesty that david bowie was part of my childhood his music helped shape uh me as a young kid and mm-hmm. introduced me to actual like pop music and 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 i researched him after that it came from a child's movie but that was the power of what he brought to that and i think that's
2: huge he died on what sunday yeah what night were you at my house saturday yeah because that night, and I remember thinking this, that night we were like, we need to do a Bowie song. Yeah. Because we used to do China Girls. Like, let's do something. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I'd love to do a Bowie. And then we both were kind of like, that is you know, just doing the fucking around. And then the next morning, Bowie dead.
1: I know. And I and I, I remember I remember wanting to just text you and just go, dude. Yeah. Dude. What did, um, dude. Yeah. Nuts. But, but yeah, uh, David Bowie. Uh, I, I'm... Rip, thank you. Bowie. Thank you for being. thank. Uh, but I did also see something else, and I, I don't remember who else it was. God damn it. It was another celebrity. And they just wrote If you're going to be sad today, just remember that in all the eight billion years of existence, yeah. you got to exist while David Bowie was here. Yeah, and I thought,
2: that one too. super cool. Yeah, yeah. Bowie rocks. Hello, this is Christian Piper. I'm here to let you know that on January 24th, I'm going to be headlining Wise Guys at the Gateway. Six days before I move to Los Angeles. This is my big farewell show. Come on out and support. It's going to be a really fun show. January 24th, 7.30 p.m., Wise Guys at the Gateway.